0: In the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. The police who investigate crime and the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders. Then there is a third group, the furries, who somehow infected the fourth group, the lawyers. These are not the stories of the first two. Oh, and then there's Boozy. (laughs)
1: Welcome to Fur What It's Worth, an
0: introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. Rue has a new boyfriend. Can you believe it? No, it isn't. Tugs. We the jury
2: find one on a charge of criminal sexual conduct, first degree, penal vaginal. We find we the jury find the defendant
1: guilty. We're pleased to announce Rue is now dating the wonderful Harry Grundle.
0: Rue's dating Harry Grundle, huh? Who's Harry Grundle? Do you do you like Harry Grundle? No, I love my boyfriend. Well, does he like Harry Grundles?
3: Uh, um, I don't know.
0: Well, you should ask him. Okay. Call him up. I want you to call him up and go. Second, do you like Second. do you like Harry Grundle? And, and, <laughs> and then report back. But anyways, welcome to for what it's worth. This is season six, episode eighteen, Gin and Softsets. This is Rue. I'm Tugs, and I don't know what comes next, but at least we did it right this time. Good job for us. Thank you. (laughs) So my apologies to everyone out there. I have had a very long day, so I'm trying to keep the salt mine nice and closed, sewn up tight like a new anus, but we'll see if it goes somewhere. (gasps) You said the A word. I did.
3: I like being anal. No, stop it. (laughs) Ah. Anywho, so this is, um, once again, for what it's worth, if you didn't know already and um so yeah blfc how was that um convention for you mr tugs wow i'm going all over the place Uh,
0: yeah i don't know what you're doing i don't know uh it was it was all right i was i I, i'm running into the same problem i always talk about lately which is when i go out of town i don't know if i'm working too hard if i'm getting old if it's both but i get there and like the first day on a trip now i'm just like too tired to do anything so i just want to sleep
3: no, I totally, totally get it. You, you, you travel and <laughs> I miss you finally 20s. get there and it's like, ah, I, I, I'm all out of energy.
0: I know. And, and it's just, it's kind of depressing. I, th- I always joke now. I'm like, I'm just going to go on a cruise because then I can just sleep all the time. <laughs> but that would be shitty. Like, I'm going to take a week off and sleep. Like, you wouldn't appreciate your time off. Uh, and So, yeah, we did do the blanket fort. I don't know if it's coming back. The party was kind of a mixed. But speaking of parties, before I forget, the the con parties episode is missing. Yes, we know. We're still going to do it. We're just swapping things around a little bit. BLFC's prep took a long time, and so we pushed it off. It'll be it'll be after this episode. I already ruined housekeeping. Sorry. We did the live show.
3: Yes, and the live show was amazing. Let me tell you. So thank you for everybody <laughs> that ended up coming out. And it was good. Yeah,
0: it was good. I was I admittedly almost committed murder with the sound system in-house. Our equipment works great. Couldn't get it to work, but then it it worked. And I... I after to... you kicked it a couple of times, right, right. after
3: you threw a couple books at it or
0: whatever, made it bleed. Oh, my rich mahogany. <laughs> and I really, I really loved... This is the first time we had our warm-up, uh, which we did the express version of in the release. And we also had live segments. So we had 50 Sheds of Grey and then Nuka just completely nailed doing get psyched live i just loved every bit of that
3: oh my gosh it was amazing it was like the highlight of the show it right it's good
0: and i ran out of condoms so if you saved a fox and used a condom we much we appreciate it <laughs> yeah. so uh, gave there out. were
3: people that were running up to me like Rue, do you have any more or well no do you have any and i'm like
0: <laughs> ru do you have any rubbers <laughs> this is like saying rubbers
3: i felt Listen. like i was like some sort of I don't know. I I I felt weird about it.
0: <laughs> I I did win. I actually won pretty good. My con was basically free. Actually, it was free. How did you do well? Gambling? What
3: you won in gambling? I did you play the Betty slots, and that's where no, you won.
0: <laughs> no, I don't play with Betty slots ever. Uh, <laughs> I I wanted to play. So I've been. I have I have this thing where I play triple double diamond free games on my phone because I'm lame. And I wanted to play the real machine again because I played it, but not in Reno, and I thought they would have one. And all I could find was a dollar version. And I'm like, I I don't make enough money to go around playing dollar slot machines. You know, because it's not just a dollar, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, you have to bet a million dollars. And I walked all over the casino. And finally, I was just like, screw this. Put my money in. And it's like, oh, here, here's $300. I was like, oh, that's very nice of you. But, you know, (laughs) but you don't just leave the machine. I'm I'm weird. I'm like, I don't want to leave at like a weird like off number. So I was like, I'm going to leave at like 300 because I had some extra, you know. And so I was like, all right. Do it again. It's like, oh here, have another five hundred dollars. And I'm like, What is going on? Really? Yeah. And were you like, Okay, cash out time? <laughs> no, I I I went down to eight hundred and then I pulled out. Yeah. that sounded really bad.
3: Yeah, no, it did. It, it sounded extremely sexual attacks. I like I being anal. Mean, uh what was that?
0: <laughs> yeah, double Oh. Yeah.
3: That was that was awesome. Yeah. That's like double anal and stuff. <laughs> Anywho. Did, did you not win? Did you not win? Uh no, actually I play this game called the Big Will, and I always isn't lose at that stupid that. automatic one. Yeah,
0: well, it, the it, one that goes no more bets, please. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: it's kind of fun, but um, I don't win at it at all. But I did play some slots, and I I doubled my money there. But oh, that's good. Yeah, it's all right. Well,
0: good, good. What have you been up to outside?
3: Outside of of con of con. Well, uh, just. Basically, getting used to being at a new place, being alone with my boyfriend, you know, stuff like second. that. Second. Second? Why do you keep calling him second? That's it's not... your words. <sighs>
0: <sighs> I've been stressing about work. I'm not going to share. Sorry, guys. Yeah. I, I did play arms. I like it. So if did you like you Samba, like I do like Samba a lot and it has lots of Samba. It's different. It, it It's it's fast paced, but it feels relaxed. So. I've been...
3: I've. Pretty much 100% did um, Shantae. Um, Shantae
0: I beat it last night
3: Oh yeah? Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy it?
0: I did It's worth the money Awesome Yeah
4: Are you ready this time? He's
3: always ready He's never ready
1: <laughs> Will he reuse another one? Oh. Is he ready? Yes Is he going to bed with pastries again? It's Ruse Cookie Time, not sponsored by Betty Crocker.
3: Read it. These are starting to get old.
0: I'll order some more.
3: Life hacks. Save money by dying in bed with a cookie.
0: Save money by dying? Yep. You're not going to get anything out of it.
3: (laughs) Well, your loved ones will, right?
0: Uh, uh. (laughs) Ugh. Why I don't know like
3: <laughs> That's kind of a necrophilia joke. That's terrible.
0: Uh, that's party your break.
5: You're listening to for what it's worth. Brought to you by Boozy Badger Attorney at Paw. Has someone used your fur suit without authorization? Did someone steal your original the character recolor? Is someone squatting on your character's name as an account on a website you forgot to reserve it on? You may be entitled to compensation. Boozy Badger can help you. With almost 30 days as a member of the fandom, Boozy is more than qualified to intimidate, extort, or even full-on blackmail whoever it is doing a thing that you don't like on the internet. There's no case too small, no request too weird, no penis too big that Boozy won't sink his jaws into. Get the money you deserve. Call Boozy Badger and don't forget to say, I'm a sovereign citizen of the internet to get 10% off for making him wet himself laughing. Boozy Badger attorney at paw, fueled by whiskey and sarcasm.
3: everybody and welcome back. So we are here today with our great and wonderful guest, Mr. Boozy.
6: Mr. Boozy? Mr.
3: Mr. Boozy? No? No? Uh,
6: I, I'm, I'm sorry, you're mistaken. I'm Harry Grundle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're together!
3: <laughs> That's so awesome!
6: You know what the best part
0: about this is? He doesn't get it yet.
6: No. no, I have no clue. <laughs> no, no, not
0: you. Rue doesn't get it.
3: I don't get the Harry Grundle.
0: <laughs> oh, dear Lord. <laughs> what? That's just mean.
3: What is it? Google it. Uh,
0: That's a trap. Like you know what? People have learned by now when some, when you ask that and they go, Google it, it's a trap.
2: Uh, Roo, <laughs> it's a no. <laughs> no. <laughs>
0: So we'll be talking today about touristing the fandom, and for people who don't know what touristing the fandom is, in general, it's when you visit another fandom. So occasionally I get dragged off to brony conventions and I tourist the brony world. I'm not a brony, but I go see what they're doing. In that same sense, Boozy somehow decided, I guess, to do the same thing. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So obviously your name is Boozy. That I'm assuming implies that you like lots of alcohol.
6: I greatly enjoy alcohol I um, I started drinking uh, before I decided to become a lawyer actually as a matter of fact I'm, I'm pretty sure I decided to become a lawyer while I was already drunk <laughs> And um, I, I just figured since I've got such a good thing going with my decision-making process while under the influence I should just keep it up for a while
3: that's, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's how all
6: life choices should be made. <laughs> oh, ex- of course. You should get good and liquored up and then make important life decisions that you can't take back. <laughs> like, for instance, who you should marry. Drink it
3: exactly.
0: up. Harry Grundle. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Whether or not you should dairy- date Harry Grundle. Drink before. <laughs> Stuff like that. i have no idea what i'm saying but apparently the whole room is laughing at me Uh, so it's
0: it's fantastic continue (laughs) keep talking
3: so boozy are you a furry yet or is boozy badger just a fun alter
6: ego i am furry adjacent um i I, i'm not going to answer that question because i haven't seen it all yet uh, I have to actually find out everything before I make a decision. Um, <laughs> everything? It, it, yeah, it, well, it's like joining a religion. Y- you go <laughs> to something one time, and everybody seems nice and happy, and they carry that on for a couple months, and they invite you to camp, and you walk in, and uh, yeah, you realize all of a sudden it's a cult. So, <laughs> so I want to go to the camp before I decide whether or not you guys are going to start making me drink Kool-Aid and praying to comets.
2: <laughs> no, 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 no. It's pretty
6: no, no.
3: Yeah, no, we're going to be making you pray to foxes and, and wolves and like a like a great well, big, huge, gigantic golden dragon. You know, different things. Or black dragon, you know, different things like that.
6: Bad dragon. Well, well, that's just not accurate because to pray, you have to be on your knees. And from what I understand, the foxes are the ones on their knees. <gasps>
3: uh,
6: <laughs> you just burned me because I'm the fox in the room. Oh, uh. yeah, well, I have to say that's the one thing I really enjoy about the Phantom is it just seems like you can uh, you can make fun of foxes to no end and they'll just take it. Pretty it's, much. They always
0: just take it. So <laughs> Exactly. So the one question, and I'm, I'm just asking this because there's no other place to put this on the show. You're a lawyer, but what's really the difference between a lawyer and an attorney?
6: In America, there's absolutely none. Really, nowhere is there a difference between lawyer and attorney. Um... I guess you can say you'll have things like attorney at law. That's what I am. And then you can have like somebody's attorney in fact, uh, which just means they're representative. It doesn't have to be a lawyer. Mm. But for practical purposes, for referencing the career, uh, the profession, there, there's no difference between a lawyer and an attorney. We're the same thing. Huh.
3: So I have a weird question for you. Are you, do, you play, um, do you play any sort of video games? Have you ever heard of the game Ace Attorney?
6: But yes, I have. Hey. No, I have not played it.
0: <laughs> I thought about actually like incorporating elements of that game series into the soundboard.
6: Uh, oh, really? This, yeah. I will tell you right now, uh, we are, our, our house is a law-free zone when it comes to forms of entertainment. <laughs> we, we don't watch lawyer movies, and I'm not allowed to play lawyer games because I'm really fucking annoying during them. Uh yeah, something happens on law and order, and I pause the d v r and start pointing out everything that's wrong with it. What about John Grisham
0: novels? Are they inaccurate? I really
6: like John Grisham novels. They're not yes. accurate at
0: all. God ah, damn. I, I love John Grisham novels, <laughs> but I know it it's way too dramatic like like nothing really happens that way in court very often like like maybe one time in one place ever happened that way, kind of right thing. yeah
3: if that. <laughs> All right. So let's start at the very beginning. That is a good place to start. Oh, very good. Yeah. I got you. I've got it's your good, back. Good. good.
0: Alright, so we're gonna kick off with an email and Mafalme sent this email. She says, Hi Rue, Tugs, and Boozy. mafalme you need to use the Oxford comma. It's Mafalme <laughs> Lion again and I just wanna tell you how I got more involved in the furry fandom. In early high school, my best friend loved anime and in twenty twelve we decided to go to our first local convention together, Toracon, a local convention put on at my college. I still attend to teach this, or sorry, teach others about the furry fandom here. She cosplayed, but I didn't know what to do seeing how I identified with animals more than humans. This is how I invented my first fursona, Scraps, a mutt fursuit I made from scraps of fur. He wore a tuxedo, much like Tuxedo Man from Sailor Moon. Anywhore, being slightly involved with the anime fandom really helped me develop as a furry and as it had an influence on me to this day. This past con, my boyfriend Marshmallow proposed to me as I was teaching my furry fandom panel. On to the question. <clears throat> how did you get involved with the furry fandom boozy in the first place? And did you ever expect to become popular so quickly? Thanks for reading my long unnecessary story, Mofalmay. I,
6: I, I have I have one issue. It's Tuxedo Mask. Uh, tuxedo Mask from Sailor Moon. That, that's how I always heard it. Oh, uh, I've, I've never actually yeah. watched it. Yeah, I want to. In the uh, now, QM tells me because QM's a huge anime fan, tells me that in the Japanese version, Tuxedo Mask is much more active. In the American version, all I ever saw was him show up, throw a rose into the pavement, give a speech, and leave. <laughs>
3: that's,
6: so yeah, the most no, worthless... the,
3: I'm laughing because that's the only thing that I know about
6: him. <laughs> yeah,
3: like m- I can actually, I actually saw that play in my mind when you when you said that.
6: Yeah, you just get a very strong florist to do the same thing. (laughs) Um, How I got involved in the furry fandom was, uh, I guess it's a brief recap of the hell that my life has become as it spirals out of control. (laughs) Um, I was in the lawyer chat room. We have a chat room. It's about two to three hundred lawyers from around the country, and what we do is we sit in there, we talk to each other all day, and we make fun of you guys. Uh, not buries, <laughs> just people in general. And, uh, somebody had posted this whole RMFC sovereign citizen thing. Uh, cause I, I have a real affinity for crazy legal stuff and I read it and I went, well, I haven't thought of a blog post for tomorrow. Uh, so I'm going to write about this and I wrote about it. And, um, By the next day, I think a 1,000 furries were following the Twitter. By the end of that week, my website had crashed and I'd had to upgrade my hosting plan twice. And uh, there were pictures of me as a badger being drawn. And it has just been like a strange drug trip since then. So...
0: So what did you know about furries before you looked that up? It just Was it just what everyone else knows about furries? Like, oh, it's just this throwaway yeah, joke?
6: I mean, I have mean, played up some things because uh, there's stuff I genuinely did not know about. But I grew up with the internet. I mean, The internet became a big thing as I was growing up. So it's not like I'm some sheltered kid in a closet. And one day the door got open. I'm like, oh, there's giant animal people everywhere. <laughs> i I, I knew furries existed i had a basic understanding of what the furry fandom was uh i knew the the mtv stuff the vanity fair articles uh some of the memes that you see thrown around as for like an in-depth understanding of the furry fandom absolutely not i I had no in-depth understanding of exactly how far this whole went um so it has been an educational experience. Um, you know, God only knows how many furry lawyers and law students I uh, have met. I actually know of at least four or five that have joined the lawyer chat room uh, as a result of this. So,
0: I'm just imagining this lawyer Illuminati where you're all sitting around in really expensive designer suits chatting like at keyboards frantically.
6: <laughs> no, <laughs> seriously. Not uh, uh, frantically. A lot, a lot more in the way of dick jokes, but pretty accurate. <laughs> So, wait, so, is there
0: a. Yeah, I have to know, is there a judge chat? Like, do all the judges have their own chat? God, I hope not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> go. Um, go
6: yeah, we do have. In, we have some pretty big names that stop by, but they kind of stop in, see what we're talking about, and go, yeah, I, I'm not interested. Thanks, guys, and walk off somewhere.
0: <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Like a lot of people, you you do like... I, I love reading your writing, I do. But it's long, and some people have TLDR syndrome, right?
6: <laughs> I uh, I don't support that. I, I took the time <laughs> to write it. Somebody should take the time to read it, so...
0: Fair enough. See, look, he told you to go read.
3: Yeah. Awesome. LeVar so,
6: Burton would be so happy.
3: So where do they go to read that?
6: That would be www.lawyersandlicker.com and you can tell... How old I am by the fact that I actually say www instead of just saying com. I still say www.
3: What t- that doesn't make you old. What? No, I just. Uh, you're right. It doesn't make you old, but it was funny. It was a joke. It's actually
0: you, you, UU, you, 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 dog. <laughs>
3: Well, at least you're not, you know, older than other people that's that still say HTTP and all that stuff. Backslash.
6: Backslash. Oh my god.
2: Yeah,
6: the, <laughs> HTTP. What is it? Uh, colon. Backslash. Backslash. Www dot. Yeah.
0: Period. <laughs> they say period.
6: Yeah. Yeah. They don't. They don't say dot. They're not a. They're not hip and with it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So we're going to – after we go to break, we're going to talk more about your touristing specifically. But as, as far as your blog goes, you you have continued to blog about furry stuff, right?
6: That's right. As a matter of fact, um, you know, since I've become kind of the dancing badger of, of the furry fandom, um, I'm dedicating the last Friday of every month to uh, to furry-centric legal matters. That must be really interesting. I've only read a couple, honestly, but yeah, it, it's um. I mean, you all got some fucking problems.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is that is that official legal opinion? You have fucking that, problems. That is
6: an official legal opinion. That is my assessment of the case right there.
3: <laughs> <sighs> well, you know, Boosie, maybe maybe it takes a lawyer to get the furry fandom mm-hmm. to get its act together.
6: You know, before before the furry thing, I wrote a post uh, about a guy, a lawyer in Philadelphia, actually, who had retweeted about a parrot. And it turns out he stole the joke from a uh, a family lawyer, apparently stole the joke from a family lawyer in Georgia. And this guy got a lot of stuff. And I mean, I went on a two, three day bender about that. That's the first time that the site really jumped up there. Like one of the People magazine blogs was linking to it. Wow. Uh, yeah, it showed up on BuzzFeed at one point. And I was like, oh, that's great. And everybody was calling me the parrot guy. But that that was the joke. Whenever they would refer to Lawyers and Liquor, they'd say, have you read this nice parrot blog? <laughs> uh, now, the other day I'm in the Slack and uh, somebody goes, hey, is the furry guy in here? And like five notifications with my username pop up as people are going, you're talking about boozy. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> So among the lawyers I'm familiar with who uh, who are aware that I personally am the boozy barrister, I am now the furry guy. <laughs> um, among lawyers who, who aren't familiar on the boozy barrister, oh, I've heard it talked about. <laughs> um, hmm. uh, I, when I did furthermore, I had uh, the week before that had a bar association dinner here. And I'm sitting at my table and a few tables over, I hear one lawyer say, have you heard about this fucker with all the furries? And that's when I decided it was time to leave. Um, mainly because I was about to break down laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's it's been interesting. Uh, as to lawyers I work with daily, there's a reason, and I go into it in a lot of venues, people I ask me about. There's a reason I keep Boozy Barrister and the Lawyers and Liquor Writer anonymous. Um... So most of the lawyers I interact with on a daily basis, if they don't already know who I am, they uh, they would not guess. Now a few guys I actually went to law school with, though, uh, reach, who all practice in this area, reached out to me and sent me links to it, and not too long afterwards started going, "Are, are you uh, are you the guy from the blog?" And so that that went down <laughs> real fast, and uh, they all think it's amusing. I I think it's hilarious. I think you guys are great. You're a lot of fun. Uh, it it actually kind of makes my day in the middle of the day. I'll click open the uh, the tweet deck and read what's going on before I go back to work, and it's it's wonderful. <laughs>
0: it is it is rather fun to to tweet.
3: So you mentioned about furthermore, how did you um, end up wi- winding up going to furthermore?
6: Uh, they reached out and asked if I wanted to come. And uh, at at that point, I had already uh, accepted a a very kind invitation from Anthrocon to just kind of come and have him show me around. Um, But everybody was telling me that I should go to another furry convention, a smaller one first. And uh, furthermore, Kit over at furthermore had sent me an email and asked if I wanted to come. at that point, I wasn't really sure. Yeah, it's kind of one of those. Well, it fits into my schedule, sort of things. Yeah. And I looked at the schedule, and finally, I contacted back. And said, you know what? Yeah, sure, sure, I'll, uh, I'll show. But uh, since furthermore was offering to to pay for my registration, and they're they're a much smaller concept, but you know, I want you guys to get something out of this too. So if there's any way I can help you, let me know. Um, and there were a lot of calls for panels, uh, so I, I did a panel for them. And that's how I ended up there. I, I got off of work. I never closed my office early, so I got off of work at six p.m. on a Friday. Drove three hours, walked into a hotel, got shit faced, uh, walked around the next day, shook hands, did a panel, and then went home the next day. It was a lot of fun. I, they they were wonderful. So, what were you
0: expecting? You know, because I'm sure you're, you're driving there and you're you have a preconceived notion. You know,
6: it, ex- exactly what I saw: a bunch of people having fun. Did you, quite did... frankly, that, that's all I expect, guys. You gotta understand, furries aren't the only geeks out there. Well, no, they have Comic-Cons uh, for this. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, whenever somebody's like, oh, it's a convention, I'm like, "Yeah, well, you're assuming that last year I didn't go to a zombie convention in Philadelphia. Uh, yeah, I've been to them before. Not furry committed, but I've been to a convention before. I expected to see a lot of people having fun. that That's what I saw. I saw a lot of people having fun, having a good time. Uh, if there was anything more than that going on, it was going on in a closed hotel room and it was none of my goddamn business. I love that line.
3: So when you ran the panel, like what, what was your, what, what was your panel about? How did it go?
6: It really was just a Q and a, um, I, I, they, I helped them with the charity auction before the panel. And then I went outside for a smoke. And I walked back in, and the room was full of people, including a large number of fursuiters. They had set up a table and a chair on the stage with a bottle of Blanton's whiskey and a glass. <laughs> and for about an hour and a half, I just took questions and answered them. And when whenever I answer questions like that, if you can't tell, I, I tend to just talk and hope that at the end of the talking, I've said something that sounds like an answer to whatever question I've been asked. Um. And that's how that went but I will tell you the scariest thing in the world was looking out there and if you've never been on a stage I'm sure you all have but for me looking out on that stage and seeing all these soulless unblinking fursuit eyes just staring straight at me (laughs) was a little disconcerting Because I kept waiting for them to blink or move the eyes And no, and you can't make out a lot with the lights But I could see those fursuit eyes out there And in the back of my mind I'm thinking This is my nightmare Like I'm going to wake up tonight Like eight fursuiters standing over the bed Just watching me sleep <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> And they probably all have follow me eyes too
6: I'll and like I'll that, tell you, the, the you. most surreal moment with all that was after the panel was over, they gave me a, a little girl named Harper, and Harper was wonderful, uh, as my liaison, who who was supposed to be looking out for me all weekend. Of course, I didn't really need her, because uh, everybody was wonderful. Everybody was great and polite, and nobody really uh, pushed any boundaries with me. But... I'm on stage, I'm shaking some hands at the end of it, and people are coming up and they want to shake hands and say things. That's fine. And I look down, and there is a dog uh, in front of me, a a five foot four dog that says, Boozy, I loved your and ass. I'm wonderful. And they go, And my friend has a message for you and starts reaching behind them. And the thought that comes into my mind as a lawyer when somebody says, I have a message for you and starts to reach behind them is, this is how I die. <laughs> That's what I was thinking.
3: Uh, uh, what happened?
6: On, on stage at a furry convention, mom is going to have so many questions when they call her. Um, nothing happened. Harper jumped in and uh, had heard that part and jumped in. And all they wanted me to do was they were, they wanted to give me an invitation to their room party later, uh, which I, I did not go to, not because of anything with the people who had invited me but because by that point uh with the charity auction and with the show i had been on stage for about four hours uh, wow. i had been up since about five, four or five a.m which is when i normally wake up it was two in the morning and i was tired um sure so i went right to bed after that but uh but yeah that, that's just that that was the most surreal moment of it for me was a, a tiny little dog saying, "I have something for you." Reaching behind and making me go, "This is this is where they shoot me on stage." So, that's a, isn't that a scene out of *A Time to Kill*? It
3: may be. I think it is. Well, you I know, think that's where it's from. Well, you know, with furries, it just depends on how they're saying that. Like, are, did he did he say that in a you know a sexy voice or did he? you I have sexy. I have something to
6: show you, Boozy. you're completely wrong as a lawyer i can say anybody can say something in any tone of voice with the intent to kill you because they may not be mentally stable
2: Uh
6: um well you are on this show but it it was a lot of fun i mean i i really enjoyed it um i i I definitely would do it again
0: a plus 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 so what was the most different thing i mean obviously there's a lot of similarity but what was the most different thing as far as furthermore and what you were expecting compared to other cons.
6: I think I was expecting a lot more drinking. (laughs) Um, You need to come to BLFC. I I had, I had heard that furries are nothing but drunk at these conventions. Uh, and the first night I'm pretty sure myself and, uh, Fox Keegan from curtailed comic, uh, who I powed around with the whole weekend. I'm pretty sure we were the drunkest people in the hotel. Uh, (laughs) I'm not joking. I got a noise complaint in my room. <laughs> wow,
0: you know it, it, is, it is a bit well, of a difference, though. The East cons in the East, they they drink for sure. I but they don't have like the party floor or the hospitality zones that like cons in California and other places out there have. They just oh, no, don't. They
6: had I just I just was sitting there because we got a noise complaint and it was like myself, two members of the con staff, two of the guest liaisons. And Fox and the Curtail comic, and we weren't being loud, we were drinking whiskey, and one of the members of the the con staff was playing their harp, and we got a noise complaint. (laughs) Wait, hold on.
3: You're playing their harp, and you got a noise complaint. You're sitting around in a hotel
6: room
0: drinking, and someone's playing a harp for you? Oh, yeah, and singing
6: singing songs in Celtic. I mean, it was wonderful. (laughs) What? I've, I yeah, have gone. what convention did you go
0: to? I've been going to cons for 15 years, and no one has played a harp in my room, ever. <laughs> go, go to law school. I am doing this wrong.
3: <laughs> change your life. Were they
0: wearing white when they played the harp? I'm imagining some Greek goddess.
3: Tugs, what nope, you need to do is nope. get very, very, very drunk and, you know, change your
6: life decisions. That's... I want
0: someone to play a harp for me at a con. <laughs>
6: Well, there you go. This this is going out before the next convention you're going to. I'm sure you can get someone to.
0: <laughs> I know. No, the other one time we said we want a bag of dicks, and someone sent us a bag of dicks. So I'm hoping somebody will play a harp in my room. <laughs>
3: <laughs> they were candy dicks, not real dicks. They were really good. Not not severed dicks. They were they were candy dicks.
6: <laughs> uh, it's okay. For a little bit there, I was joking about. <sighs> Uh, you know, have, having a sampler of bad dragon shit just show up at my office.
0: It did, and like it?
6: three seconds after I tweeted that, I went, I should probably make it clear I'm joking or one of these assholes is going to find out where my office is and mail <laughs> a box of bad dragon dildos <laughs> to it.
3: They'll send you like and a I, whole
6: bunch of mini ones. Yeah, and I do not want to explain that to my paralegal who opens the mail.
0: <laughs> if you get a box that is from Arizona, don't open it.
6: So
3: – I do want to ask you, like, because you you went to this convention, like, how does that differ from other, um, like, have you been to a, you've been to a lawyer convention? How is it different between a lawyer convention and a furry convention?
6: Well, first, we we call them conferences, not not conventions. That's <laughs> very true.
0: Stop
6: doing that. S- second, <laughs> completely different type of suit that everyone's wearing.
4: Hailing frequencies open, Aquatus here with another round of news for you. As of Wednesday, December 5th, here are your space headlines. Oh boy, there's a lot that happened since the last episode, I'm gonna try my best to get through the big highlights. Fans of SpaceX rejoice, we've got an actual date NASA has announced for when the first Crew Dragon will fly. It'll be a test flight without passengers, but that's fine, because it's scheduled for January 7th. That's only a month away, commercial crew is coming online at last. Probably the biggest news of all this, NASA's InSight lander touched down on the surface of Mars on Monday, November 26th. It passed the 7 minutes of terror that comes with Entry, Descent, and Landing, called EDL for short, and they got back the first pictures InSight could provide moments after touchdown. This is fantastic. We've only successfully landed about half of the probes and landers and rovers that we've sent to Mars. So far, everything seems to be in order and controllers are preparing InSight to begin scientific investigations of the planet's interior. You can expect more on this in the future. Excellent news for people who are following it, a Russian Soyuz launched on December 3rd carrying a three-person crew to the ISS. We've ensured continued human presence in space. The investigation was completed and the rocket was deemed safe to proceed. By now, they're already aboard station and haven't encountered any problems during launch, approach, or docking. SpaceX launched 64 satellites from Vandenberg Air Force Base in California using a Block 5 Falcon 9 that has already flown twice before. This is the first time they've seen one of their rockets fly a third mission, and it landed successfully as well. It was supposed to touch down on land, but because there was a sensitive payload on site, they sent out their autonomous drone ship to catch it just offshore. In the footage people captured of it landing, you can see it start to disappear over the horizon, then just the top of the first stage was visible. Eat that, Flat Earthers. NASA's OSIRIS-REx mission arrived at Bennu yesterday. It will begin two years of mapping and examination of the asteroid before it reaches down and gives it a little boop to take a sample of the surface material to return to Earth. It'll be a bit of a wait, but this will be quite a mission to watch for. And last but certainly not least, earlier today, SpaceX launched a Dragon capsule to the ISS. It slipped a day to replace the food for the mice on board, which had started to grow mold. The capsule was successfully deployed on orbit, while the first stage failed to land back on the ground. It instead did a powered soft landing in the water just off the coast. What we're hearing is it appears undamaged, but the hydraulic pump that controls the grid fins had failed. It looks like they may be able to recover the first stage regardless of its quick bath. That's all for this round. Stay tuned for the next episode of For What It's Worth for more. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying keep looking up, space fans.
3: Back. Ah, you always like making fun of me,
0: Tugs. Well, it's because your transition isn't going very well. And
3: because I like being whatever's?
0: I don't know, but thank you, Snarf, for the ident. We we really appreciate it. And in the name of Harry Grendel, I'm going to push this button. <laughs> Today's episode of For What It's Worth is brought to you by our wonderful, wonderful people who we've sold out to for 30 whole seconds that first person on the list is fido fido is still our uber supporter so thank you fido like seriously the reason you're listening to the show right now is because he's donated a lot and we paid our hosting bill no joke (laughs) he made a difference because of fido the second person is i don't know how to make another doritos locos joke but there it is it's dokos (laughs) (laughs) so thank you dokos if you would like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash fwiw and pay for the show because we're selling outs for 30 seconds.
3: Yes. And that's our 30 seconds. That's so it. thank you for donating. Yay. Woo.
0: All right. So let's go back into touristing. So you post this blog and you said that your your site crashed. Twice. Twice. <laughs> like how Twice. close were these crashes?
6: Uh, well, I, I'm sitting at work. And I'm actually in the lawyer chat room again, and uh, one of the guys in there comes and posts a message says, Boozy, the furries are saying your site's down. Because um, at that point, they were all watching you guys, too. And I look at and it is down. And I start getting, oh, it's, it's been DDoS, it's this, it's that. No, and I just exceeded my bandwidth for the month, uh, like four days into the month. <laughs> So I upgrade it, and then it goes down later that afternoon again. So I call and I upgrade the hosting plan again.
0: Did you just go unlimited at that point?
6: Uh, no, I haven't gone unlimited yet. <laughs> that, that's a whole different pricing tier. I'm not there yet. <laughs> you, you have to understand, uh, up until – actually, I had to upgrade twice. Uh, lawyers and Liquors, it's paid out of pocket. Uh, yeah, There's no – until recently, There's it didn't generate any income. I didn't see any reason to. Um, the idea being that I would be able to, at some point, do something with it that may be able to transla- into, translate into, translate to actually getting paid. Um, but it's always just kind of a, a way for me to vent, a way for me to type things I wanted to say, uh, and stuff like that. So when this happened twice, I, uh, I became a sellout and I started a Patreon, which has now covered the hosting costs. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I caught onto the this furry shit real fast when it came to money. <laughs> are you saying we're easily exploitable? No. <laughs> um, you guys are just... You're, it's a very generous community. And uh, I've noticed that very much. Um, you know, I wasn't even expecting to, to have anybody give any money on, on Patreon. You know, maybe five, ten bucks. And once it got to the point where I'm like, okay, well, they have now far exceeded the hosting cost of the website. I said, so, well, I guess I should probably start producing more shit for furries. Um, and and that's uh, that's how I got to the current situation where I'm kind of sitting here and and going, oh, I don't want to piss them off too much. They're paying me now. <laughs> i they you. live I'm with you, right? school out of the basement
0: <laughs> and a convention.
6: Yeah. Yeah, Basement Con 2018. Uh, my lawyers have advised me not to talk about Basement Con 2018 until the refund issue from Basement Con 2017 has been resolved.
0: Well, you should probably send someone a really important letter with a thumbprint.
6: <laughs> <laughs> so you, you you joke, but right now on my work computer, thanks thanks to all this, I now have a uh, a, a snip. Uh, I guess it's the snipping tool on the work computer. But I snipped the red thumbprint from that RMFC letter. Mm-hmm. And it's saved on the computer. So now when I'm sending emails to other lawyers I know who are aware of this, <laughs> I attach I that thumbprint beside my signature line.
0: <laughs> so, so. That is possibly the best thing I've heard come out of that. Okay. You know, you could be the lawyer that goes to... A conference, but like you're in a fursuit and you're wearing like, you know, a nice, you know, sports, sport coat or something. You could be that guy. Oh, oh yeah. That
6: that would just be, I will love to explain that to the disciplinary board. Why, why, did you, why did you show up in a badger costume? Because the furry guys told me to.
0: Because you guys were all really, really, really serious right then. And we needed to change it up. <laughs> so we have an email from Drone on. And he says, back in 2002, I was moving to a new city where I didn't know anyone. A friend of mine was helping me get settled. One night, he took me to the university where he knew someone in a local LARP, a live-action role-playing group. There were 40 to 50 people crammed into three or four seminar rooms, spilling out into the hallway. The game was based on Vampire, the masquerade. Several people wore trench coats and looked vaguely goth. I have never been very good at role-playing, and I wasn't a fan of vampires, so I sat in a corner, bored, and passed the time. It quickly became obvious that the interesting part of the game was happening in the other rooms, involving a small number of people, probably friends who were in charge. Maybe everyone else was hoping they'd get to play in the main part of the game, but I didn't see much opportunity. I didn't feel like learning the rules or trying to climb the social ladder of the local vampire crowd. I tried to talk to a guy sitting next to me. He was 19 years old, socially awkward, and was terrified of breaking game rules. No one around him seemed to be taking things so seriously. Each time he answered one of my questions, he snapped his arm diagonally across his chest in a weird salute which I understood to be a signal that he was talking out of character. I was making him nervous, so I stopped trying to talk to him. (laughs) I don't remember much else because I zoned out. There was one guy whose vampire character only sucked blood from fish. He had brought a little fish with him made of cardboard. My friend came back as the game was finishing. He introduced me to a few people, including a Native American woman with a crew cut. We spoke only briefly, but one of the first things she mentioned was that she was a lesbian and invited me to join some of her friends the next weekend at a nude beach. I turned down the offer. That was my brief and very incomplete counter with live action role playing. And he sent that because he was talking about visiting another fandom and how alien it was. So you you visit the furry fandom, you go to a con, and then you decide to keep going around and exploring it?
6: <laughs> like what made... <The> me- <laughs> go ahead. I, I, I want to say I don't give a shit what the question was. That story's amazing. <laughs> I just like <laughs> the guy with the fish, actually. <laughs> I, I, I it had that. everything. It had social awkwardness. A guy hitting himself in the chest with every sentence he says, lesbians inviting you to nude beaches and sucking on cardboard fish. <laughs> this could be a lifetime movie, guys. You need to email him back. We gotta buy the rights and get on this shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think he's in the show chat, I'll hit him up.
3: <laughs> oh, we're gonna um, we're gonna be rich. <laughs> and that car and, and think about it. Think about—we could be selling merchandise of cardboard fishes. Yeah, They're great. And then everybody could like we we could we could sell the treats, and like people can like actually suck, like you know, sugary substances from the the fish and different things like that.
0: <laughs> so yeah, so you you just decided to keep looking around at that point. Uh, do you know any lawyers? No, I I don't. Okay, I don't really have many friends anymore. No, that's do
6: not you- true. The biggest trait you find in lawyers, especially guys like me, uh, who do things like civil litigation, where you have to look into a bunch of stuff, you know, you, you find one thread in the law, and you got to follow it all the way back, and that's just how your job's done. Uh, so when we focus on something, we tend to focus on that thing. Uh, my partner has not want to fight with me in five years because of this, uh, and it's. It's just well it so you know, I'll go to a furry con, everybody's going, Oh, well, you've seen it, so now you gotta stop. No. No, I'm I'm on the first level here. We're nowhere near the center, uh, the the core of furrydom yet. <laughs> so what I what I'm taking
0: away from this is that there's not very many lawyers with ADHD.
6: And no. No, they don't survive. <laughs> so so we, we, we go ahead. We actually eat them. Uh, much like a lion eats its young that are too weak, we eat lawyers with ADHD. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so so you've done all this touristing and I, even I've gotten in on the show Twitter and, and that's been hilarious and I've loved every second of it, but what's been the most surprising thing in
6: your exploration so far? Really how down furries get on themselves as a community. Um, it's like today. Today is fetish Friday on Lawyers and Liquor. And uh the fetish we wrote about today was Zoophilia and Bestiality. Oh, we just did a show on that. Mhm. And um furries are not mentioned at all. But I posted it and I mean it became oh it's a stereotype until finally somebody said he he didn't mention furries at all. Uh but it's immediate. When something negative comes out, you you kind of circle the wagons, and you know there's one side going, "We're not all like that." There's another side going, "Yeah, we're sorry about that thing." Um, but you guys get down on yourselves real easy. I guess I, I get it because I'm in looking into it. You guys got a lot of bad press over the years. Um, but you need to calm down just a little bit about it because I've met a lot of you face to face. I, I talked to a lot of you. And you're raising lots of money for charity. You have amazing art and good stories. You have pilots, doctors, lawyers, research chemists, uh, police officers, a lot of upstanding, respectable people in your fandom. And the things that are out there to be embarrassed about get played up more because that's the sexy story. That's what – whenever something happens, that's what people want to hear about.
0: Sex sells.
6: Yeah. They, they want to hear about the weirdos in the fursuits. They don't want to hear about the heart surgeon in a fursuit who led the charge to raise $10,000 for a charity. Um, but you guys kind of – it seems like you really internalize the bad press and then get very defensive about it. Uh, and I, I can understand it, but that's kind of the most surprising thing is there's so much good that I see going on in the fandom and the bad that i'm seeing isn't really out of proportion with the bad i see in the general population every day
3: so that brings me to my next uh, our next question is what what do you find that is not surprising about the fandom
6: <sighs> you you mean adult people like to have sex <laughs> <laughs> that just that just i'm shocked I'm I'm a Puritan personally. I, I've never had sex. I'm, a,
0: I, I'm sorry that your life is boring. Yeah, well, <laughs> that, that's a goddamn lie. <laughs> is there anything you wish you hadn't found?
6: Uh, you know that cheese grater picture with the raccoon? Now I do. Yeah. What? That's weird. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Take a moment. Do you have access to Google while we're sitting here? Of course I do. What, wonderful. Go to e621.net. Hold on, let me go to incognito
0: <laughs> mode. Okay, e621.net.
6: And I want you to look for, I think it's raccoon cheese grater, and make sure Rue sees it on air with a hot mic.
0: Um, Hold on, hold on. There's only two things that come up. Is it is it like a multi-piece thing? I, th- I think it's cheese underscore grater. Oh, okay, hold on. Jeez. I'm just going to get rid of the raccoon. This Now I want to know. Oh! Oh! <laughs> I,
3: I haven't seen it yet.
0: <laughs> oh! Oh! All right. All right, Rue, come over here and look at this.
3: Oh my gosh. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> you know what's terrible? I've seen that image before.
6: <laughs> oh, it's okay. I see it every night now when I close my eyes.
3: <laughs> Along with those, those, um, fursuiters just staring at you. Yeah.
6: yeah. <laughs> How I came across that is in the very early days before the boozy badger Twitter got started. Um, I, w- I would just say, hey, you know, tell me about something I need to learn about. And somebody told me that, told me to go look at the cheeseburger thing. This is after I had been burned by people telling me to look up stuff like E621 in general. Um, But people kept putting it and I'm going, nope, not tonight. I- I'm not Googling that. I'm not looking that up. And, of course, like two nights later, I'm sitting on the goddamn couch. Somebody else says, and I go, you know what? What the hell? I clicked on it. And uh, long story short, I have a new phone now. <laughs> I regret my life choices, <laughs> and uh, and I'm taking great joy and passing this on to anyone who who says they haven't seen it yet, because if I've got to suffer, so do you.
3: Uh, I'm not gonna. Uh, my, you know, you know, my butt hurts now.
0: Everyone who's listening to this is gonna go look now. Oh my gosh! And, and just look up cheese. I'm glad bread. I could help. Oh man! Please, when you guys look it up, make sure you record yourself. Or immediately tweet a photo of yourself. Do something to share it and tweet at for what it's worth, or and and boozy and boozy yeah. and and make sure that we all see your pain. Don't keep just, it to yourself. But
3: don't don't retweet a picture of yourself with with the picture. No, like... we just
0: want to see your expression.
6: <laughs> it's it's okay. I showed it to my partner, um, yeah. and we no longer have a cheese grater. <laughs>
0: I might get rid of mine. Like I, I, I do feel a little bad because I know someone out there probably is into that, and it's fantasy. I just didn't want to participate.
6: <laughs> it's, it's, it's such a, a shocking. I mean, look, my I have what I call the big three uh, on any fetish that someone has. Is it illegal? If it's not, have at. Right. Is everybody consenting? And um, the cheese grater was. Is the- anybody getting hurt? <laughs> Like seriously injured. If all three of those are no, yes, no, knock yourselves out. It doesn't fucking concern me as long as it's not happening directly in front of me. Right. You know. Um. But the the cheese grater picture for a moment made me pause and go, "Is this really a good idea?"
0: <laughs> yeah. You know what went through my mind, Drew, when I saw the cheese grater? No. I
3: no. Be no. That. Stop. No, 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 tugs. That was bad.
0: It was wonderful. No,
3: I'm going to like, I I, I think that I need to go into the bathroom for a bit.
0: (laughs) Well, we don't have break for a while, so enjoy that. Uh, Oh my God. Okay, so before we go to general Q&A, we we wanted you to give yourself a rating. So here's, here's how I phrase the question. So in some of your recent blogs, you referenced RF 2015 Rainforest, and Foxes receiving, which are actually pretty deep inside references. Most people outside the fandom aren't aware that the the fandom has managed to kill one and now two conventions, and that Foxes are the bottom of everything. So, what would you say your level of insiderness is?
6: Make, I, uh, a, make I your own. Re- are you familiar with who George Plimpton was? Sounds like he owned a Blimpies. Now, George Plimpton was an Ivy League educated reporter who, uh, to write about experiences, uh, lived them. Uh, He played a game as an NFL player. He was not built like a football player. He went uh, several rounds with professional boxers to write about boxing. He was actually uh, in the hotel when Robert F. Kennedy was shot. He's one of the gentlemen who wrestled down the assassin. Uh, But he always kind of embedded himself very deeply in that to get the experience. Uh, I don't think he'd ever rate himself an NFL player or a boxer I have gone past George Plimpton I am no longer simply observing and reporting I'm progressing towards Hunter S. Thompson levels of involvement Where he embedded himself with the Hells Angels to write a book Until they beat the living hell out of him And he left because he was scared for his own life So I'm just past George Plimpton I would rate myself around Hunter S. Thompson levels of involvement. I have not yet gone full-on Patty Hearst, who uh, was the the daughter, our granddaughter of the publishing magnate, William Randolph Hearst, who was kidnapped by Syrian refugees or a, a Syrian liberation front, I want to say, a terrorist organization, whatever it was, and uh, had Stockholm syndrome and actually joined them in their attacks. I have not hit that level yet. After Anthrocon checked back with me, you know, Anthrocon,
0: I've heard described as more of being like a trade show, so I think you'll be okay. So people still go, oh. but it,
6: it, it's big, so good luck. Oh, it, it's not going to be the con. It's going to be the interactions with the people.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what? We have some emails that our lovely furry friends have sent in that they've wanted to ask you, Mr. Boozy.
6: That's frightening.
3: I know. I know. It's super frightening. Um, the first one is from Dronos. And Dronon. He- Oh, drone on. Drone, I'm sorry.
0: Get on the drones. <sighs> ah.
3: <laughs> Anyways, if you were stuck in a small town in France and all of the good motorcycles and the rental shops were reserved, how would you convince the rental guy you um, to rent you his bike?
0: Your solution cannot involve money, poor eyesight, a buzzer, a hat a water spray bottle, a stolen jacket, and passport, masking tape, a magic marker, peppermint candy, cat hair, or maple syrup.
6: Hey, you excluded most of my normal ones, but I'm still an American in this scenario, right? In France. Okay. So I'm just going to use one of the 19 guns that everyone knows all Americans have on them at all times.
3: Okay. okay. So our next email is from Rally. Rally says, Hi, Rucifer, Tugs, and Boozy. Um, I'm not a long-time listener of the show or podcasts in general. In the past year, I've, stated, I've started listening to several of the regular bass um, base because I've managed to find some time where I can multitask and listen. For what it's worth, offers a diverse view of our multi fandom, and I've come to enjoy listening. I have a couple of questions for Rue and Tugs. What?
0: Oh, he's divided them up. Okay. I,
3: I know most podcasts have an opinion of Thou Shalt Not Have Any Podcasts Before Mine, but I was wondering if either one of you um, have any other podcasts you'd recommend for in, um, inspiration or enjoyment in the furry fandom or not. Personally, nice. I think that This American Life is amazing. Um, so is Serial. Those two podcasts are just amazing. If you haven't had a chance to um, listen to Limetown, um, I would highly recommend checking that out as well.
0: If you want something short, which is often me, I listen to my show and one other, which is Nightside Project, which lived on as a podcast, so it's still being made. So, Boozy,
3: here's your question. So, first, first the question you've probably been asked uh, half a million times already how did you get mixed up in our crazy ragtime, um, ragtime. multi-crew of a fandom?
0: <laughs> He's already answered that, but I love how you read that question. Uh.
6: Motley yeah, crew. I, I've already answered it, but I love the fact that they use the word ragtime because now I'm hearing the entertainer playing on a loop in my head. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and then second, um, what advice would you give to a person slash persona? That may be unknowingly dating somebody under the age of eighteen, assuming in the United States,
6: or stop, is stop now. <laughs> um, I, I, no, I, I'm, I'm very serious. As a matter of fact, uh, that is going to be uh, an upcoming Furry Friday post once I talk to a couple other people because it's a um, it, it's something that I keep kind of running across in your fandom, and it makes. A certain degree of sense because from what I've seen so much of the interpersonal interactions in the fandom outside conventions are happening online. Um, but if you suspect that you are in a relationship online or otherwise, uh, and I would even venture to say especially online, that is under the age of 18 and you are over the age of 18, that relationship needs to to stop, and the the main reason I say it because every time I, I say that somebody goes, oh well, the age of consent, in my state is, um, federal law doesn't care what the age of consent is in your state is. There's something called, uh, you know what? I'm trying to remember the name of the act, but essentially it's a it's a white slavery act is what it is. But you can't transport a minor across state lines for any sexual purpose. You can't receive photographs of a minor, even if they're over the age of consent, that are explicit in nature. Uh, Most state laws and most federal laws will prohibit you from from taking any of those actions. And explicit text messages have been used in prosecutions. Uh, And in some states, if it's a state-based prosecution, some states will allow you – to say, I didn't know they were a minor as a defense. Other states will not. Other states, it's what we call a strict liability offense. Your knowledge is immaterial to some extent. Uh, So if you think that your partner is under the age of 18, that's something you need to confirm very quickly and uh, otherwise uh, back off and that's, it's very no shit. But it's very hard to implement and practice because there are emotions. You can't always be cold and clinical on these things. But whatever the justification is, oh, they're turning 18 in two months, um, then wait two months.
0: What a difference a day makes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Mongrels, I love you. See, see, Hold on. I want to build on that for just a second. This is why when we invite people to the Telegram chat, we say be an adult. We know that there is an age of consent. We don't care because the, the law doesn't care. Stop.
6: And I, like I said, I should be clear because when I hear that question, I think my, my partner may be under the age of 18. If you've met them in person, you probably know whether they are or not. And if you haven't met them in person, there's probably a good reason you haven't. It's likely because they live in another state, uh, at which point you're not just talking state laws, you're talking federal laws. Uh, and even then, when you get into states, you, know, you can have an age of consent for sexual activity and an age of consent for marriage of 16. Uh, yeah, where, where I live, that, that's our jurisdiction's age of consent. Now, our child pornography law and our communications law requires the person to be over the age of 18. The age of consent and the age that somebody can send you a dirty picture – are two different things.
3: Boozy, I have a, a burning question that is inside my heart. No legal. <laughs> you should advice. probably
6: have a doctor look at that. And, and, uh, and, go ahead.
3: And you know what? If you can't answer it, we'll just uh, move forward with this. But, um, you know, within um, our local community, there's been some times that they've been wanting to include 18 year olds a little bit more within um, the community and wanting to allow them to be able to show up without um, their legal
0: guardian. Oh, you mean minors, not Um, 18-year-olds. What? You mean minors, not 18-year-olds.
3: No, yeah, I'm meaning minors like 16, 17... Okay, because you
0: said 18-year-olds. Continue. No,
3: no, no. I meant 16 or 17-year-olds are... um, They're wanting to allow them to just be able to come to these particular events. Um, What is the...
0: What's the best course?
3: What's the ramifications? What is the best course? What What is something i don't know what What, what's
0: the average
6: age of those those events right now early to
0: early to mid 20s
6: okay no uh not not know they can't come but you know you got to have something protecting consent forms are always a good idea you'll see conventions that will say you know we'll only let you in if you're under 18 if you have a consent form and if you're under uh, another age you can't be in here without an adult period um, the other half of that, which is almost as important is making sure that you have somebody there whose job it is to monitor everyone. Cause even the person you trust the most, uh, can, can slip up. And it's very easy in those situations to, without knowing it, uh, create an improper situation with somebody under the age of 18. Yeah, I've heard those stories, and I've had clients who are on the other side of those stories, and I actually have a friend who uh, who's on the other side of one of those stories. He was involved with somebody under the age of 18, and um, you know, he lost his job, obviously. Uh, he, lost, he was a computer tech. He lost his job. He lost his career because he's not allowed to use computers anymore. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff. You really have to monitor those situations. The safest bet is to always say, no, we're sorry, adult or nothing. Um, second safest is parents, and the uh, the third is consent forms.
0: That sounds like a lot of overhead file keeping and things that I personally don't care to bother with. It,
6: and it is, and it's sad, because you have a younger community out there, and you want to be able to support that younger community. You want to be able to bring them in. You want to be able to, to help them as things come up. At the end of the day, you also have to balance that against the protection of yourself personally and your community as a whole. Uh, the more overage people you have around someone 18 or younger, the higher the chances somebody's going to be accused, either wrongfully or rightfully, of doing something improper. Uh, so you have to have some type of control in place. I'm on the board of a couple nonprofits that, that work with kids, Occasionally, and uh, that's a huge concern of ours. Everybody who is involved with our nonprofit in any way, shape, or form has to go through mandatory training. Uh, There's a reason that the Boy Scouts of America says that you're never alone with a child, Uh, that that there's always somebody else in eyesight of you when you're with a child. There's a reason for all this stuff. Uh, Part of it is bad things do happen. Uh, The other part of it is is somebody can accuse you of doing something or accuse someone in your community of doing something even if they didn't. If you have someone else around constantly, the risk of that accusation being a a very damaging one or or having a court it found it goes down, Uh, not to mention the chance of anything happening kind of ends. I got an email – back in april from a young man at the time that this happened he was a young man uh it sounds like he was over the age of 18 but not by much who was at a gathering of furries in an apartment most of the people there were 21 or over there was drinking going on nobody really had looked out for him and he was sexually assaulted um and, and you know kind of my first reaction was who was looking out for him yeah who, who was there checking on him or keeping an eye on him and things like that and uh i caught some flack for saying you know that that needs to be something you have anywhere is somebody keeping an eye on the situation that's trustworthy but the second one and it's really an example of you know, nobody else in, in that gathering probably had any intention of doing anything like that except for the one person who did and you never know who that one person who did was and it sounds a. Uh, Maybe a little extreme and dramatic to say you really have to monitor that. You really have to safeguard against it. But unfortunately, that is the uh, the fact. Uh, especially in a community like yours, where, from what I've seen, people are predisposed because of of negative coverage in the past to think poorly of you. I mean, I in that same post where I spoke about the sexual assault, I uh, I displayed like I think the top five results. For furry and almost all five of them mentioned uh, as a core aspect of the furry fandom, uh, sexual activity. And I've been around enough you now know it's that's not any more true than it is for any other group of people. But uh, but that's the presentation that people see when they Google. I think the and, one of the
0: differences though is that the furry fandom is much more open sexually. Like like we, we it's not uncommon for a furry to know another furry's kinks, right? But like with other other fandoms that I visited, they don't know that. That's not like a normal thing. Like we're right. very accepting of it.
6: And and you know, and that's a great thing though. I mean, oh, it sure. really is. That that is a wonderful thing that you have a community that feels like it can be so open with each other. It's rife with the opportunity for abuse. But but um that's not the downside of it, but it's wonderful that the the furry community is so open with each other. You don't generally see that. Uh, now, as you all can tell from my Twitter, the blog, and my talking night, I'm very cagey about my personal life. I uh, I, I don't my, – my partner's instruction to me was I'm going to create a Twitter to join in the fun, but God help you if they identify me. Um, <laughs> and uh, – but – i joke whenever somebody and i have been asked boozy what are you into i've had people trying to guess my kinks uh so i now say i have a very specific kink involving midgets in civil war (laughs) reenactor costumes i thought
0: i thought it was like clean desks and rich mahogany corinthian leather
6: and oh no those are just general lawyer kinks those are the those have oh. nothing to do about me as the person. What I want to see is a two-foot-tall Robert E. Lee going to town on a three-foot-five Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> this the is going to to dress plays in the background. Somebody's going to end jo- up trying that now. Yeah, I, I was about to say, I'm joking about that, but I'm going to get to, like, Anthrocon, open my hotel room. There's going to be midgets dressed up like Robert E. Lee and Abraham Lincoln on the bed. <laughs> um, and they're like,
0: Hi! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: All right, Boozy. So we have another question for you. You want me to? I'll um, take this one. It's from it's from SK, oh. and he says, um, "Ask about this. Um, ask about his time in a steam steampunk river rat."
0: As not in. There's a very big difference. Okay,
3: go ahead. You read it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> ask about his time as a steampunk river
6: rat. <laughs> ask. Him. I I, I worked it. on a steamboat. Uh, it was a Western River steamboat on the Ohio River. Uh, I had gone to college and I dropped out. And I thought, uh, after dropping out of college, I'm going to get a job. So I went to go work on the river. And I worked on the river for a few years before I woke up one morning and said, I'm really tired of working this hard for a living. Uh, so I'm going to go back to college. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I very much enjoyed it. I actually, the boat I worked on um, is actually hanging above my desk right now as I'm talking to you. The uh, picture of it uh, really enjoyed it. I made a lot of good friends doing it, uh, learned a lot. Uh, I can now fix a steam engine. I, I can't change the oil in my own car, but if you give me a hundred year old piece of machinery, I can tell you how to fix it. Uh, and it, it was a good time it was work that I enjoyed doing um, as I tell people I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for a million dollars I wouldn't do it again for two million
0: next question is um, ask if he misses ear ecstasy, ear ecstasy. Uh, would he buy there today <laughs> if he could
6: well, what was the last part of that one
0: would you buy there today if you could
6: Yes, I would. Ear Ecstasy, I'm assuming from the way you said it had no clue what it is. Ear Ecstasy was a music shop on Bardstown Road in Louisville, Kentucky that had just the the best selections of music you, you could hope for. And it wasn't an industrial music shop. Uh, and for all the young kids out there, a music shop is where we used to go. It's like a brick-and-mortar iTunes. Uh, we used to go there to buy these things called CDs, which are magic discs that we would put in – and press play on, and they would play music. Uh, and before that, we would go there and buy these things called audio tapes. But, um, but it was really – it was it fit the area very well. It was uh, just kind of this strange, weird, indie, alt-punk type of music place with a wonderful selection on Bardstown Road, which in Louisville at that time was a very kind of underground, alt-hippie, uh, liberal alternative scene. Um, and they closed it, it was after I left the state. Uh, it wasn't too long ago though because they closed their initial location and they moved to a new one. I don't think they did that well at the new location and, and they closed for good there. But you used to see bumper stickers for ear ecstasy everywhere, everyone had one. I had like a dozen of them. Huh.
0: Oh man, that's now I want you to just like I, I wish it like you should just do a second and first show where you just explain something like this is a CD. Like, <laughs> Boozy explains Okay, the last question Did you ever spend time in a dive bar Called Tooligans? Hooligans or Tooligans? Tooligans with a T Tooligans Hmm
6: I, I don't think I ever did uh, Up here I haven't Gone to dive bars that much There's one, I live in a very small town Outside of a bigger town uh, And there is one bar in the town I live in, that's the one I go to. It's kind of divey, but uh, trust me, if I was there, you'd know uh, by now. Hmm. You, you wouldn't be asking if i have ever gone there. Uh, but when I lived in Louisville, I went to a place called the Mag Bar in Old Louisville. That that was my bar. That's the one I went to. So I don't think I ever went to a place called Toulikins.
0: Okay, that's all he had. The next email we have is from that one guy. Literally, he, that's what his name is.
3: He that said, or he asked, um, hey Boozy. Um, what are some of the pros and cons of a career in law?
0: Like if your in-law is a career. <sighs> oh God.
6: Um well let's see, the cons. Um you work yourself to death. I, I work my average work day is about 12 hours long. I get into the office uh between 630 and 7 most days. I leave the office between 630 and 7 most days. Uh, You bring work home with you. There's no such thing as taking a weekend off. I have right beside me right now, my briefcase, it has three or four files that I'll work on throughout the weekend. Um, When things heat up, you know, that is your work comes first, uh, because what you are really doing is you'll hold somebody's future in your hand. You are their representative in court and how you comport yourself in the case. I don't do criminal law. but. how you comport yourself in a case uh, and the quality of work you do can really make the difference in someone's life between financial ruin or uh, being able to to move forward and improve themselves, or if you're a criminal attorney, uh, freedom or incarceration. Uh, so it's not a nine to five job. You, you're doing it all the time. I've had a case last year where I worked 20 hours straight for four days straight in, in a row. And that Friday after sleeping over four days, about a grand total of 10 to 12 hours, um, I overslept. And I didn't get in the office until 9.30. And I got chewed out for that because it didn't matter how many hours I've been working over the past four days. I needed to be there uh, before the office opened that morning so I could get to work on the other matters. Uh, Then other times it's very slow. Uh, the money sucks unless you're practicing the right uh, field of law, at least for the first several years until you build a reputation. It is a very appearance oriented career. Uh, people will judge you by the types of suits you wear, types of car you drive, uh, things like that. But you can get around that pretty well. Um, it's stressful. Like I said, you, you really are, you're handling everybody else's problems. I tell clients when they hire me, uh, and many of them have been worried about these legal matters, but I'll look at them and I'll say, hey, "You know, go home, breathe, get a good night's sleep. It's my problem now. I'm going to handle this." Uh, and that's not, you know, fluff. That that really is what you hire an attorney. So those those are all the cons. Um, now they're not all the cons, but they're all the ones I can think of right off the top of my head. As far as pros go. I really genuinely love practicing law. I I love being an attorney. Uh, My father was one. He did a lot of good for people and inspired me to become one, and I'm good at it, and I I very much enjoy my work. Uh, But the best part of it is when you have that one case, and every lawyer will have that one case at some point. That doesn't matter how bad your day is, whenever you think, I'm going to quit this job and I'm going to go farm avocados in California, you think of that one case and how you helped somebody and how they were just amazed and in tears and you realize that maybe 99% of what you do 20 years from now won't really matter. Uh, Maybe 99% of your cases are petty and really kind of bullshit cases, and you think, you know, is this really making a difference Uh, or what I really do? You know, I I just cost somebody $10,000, they get a judgment for six. But you have that one case that really you think back on, you go, now that's, that changed someone's life. And uh, you know, I've got a couple of those cases. I'm very lucky to have. Uh, uh, at least two or three of those cases I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, But whenever I I really get worn out and I wonder why the hell did I become a lawyer, I remember those cases. And I remember the fact that there's people out there whose lives would be immeasurably worse if I was not practicing law.
0: I think he gets the clap. One, two, three. All right. Last email. (laughs) Enjoy your clap. Uh, the last email says from Rhubarb, Boozy, you often discourage people from law school. What would you encourage people to study instead and for what benefits? Signed, Rhubarb, who got a fine arts degree and still doesn't regret it but is weird that way.
6: <laughs> um, first, I do want to say every lawyer has a moral duty to discourage people from practicing law because uh, the people who really will put up with all the bullshit I just talked about – are people who have a genuine love for doing it and they're not going to be dissuaded or discouraged just because some guy told them not to not to practice uh, but if even if you are going to law school it's not just if you aren't but if you, even if you are going to law school um, I, I would first encourage everybody to take a year and and work a manual labor job if you can because uh, after a year of that you have a lot of time to figure out what the hell you really want to do with your life, so you never have to do that shit again. Uh, But otherwise, you know, hard sciences, STEM degrees are always going to be needed. Um, World always needs teachers, although the the well-paying teacher jobs are hard as hell to get. Just study something, whatever it is. Study something that you can actually make a career at and that you'll want to be doing. For the next 30 to 40 years of your life after you you start down that path because if you go in for say engineering and you don't know you want to be an engineer you're kind of locked in for the next 40 years you've spent all this money so really look at your options and don't feel pressured to declare a major either unless you have to um as for people who are dead set on going to law school Get a backup degree that will make you money to look at law and then look at the thing you want to do if you're not a lawyer. And I really hope it's in one of those one of those STEM fields and get a degree in that. You can go to law school with a degree in anything. Uh, You just have to have a bachelor's. It doesn't have to be anything special. This isn't like med school where there's an actual course of study you have to follow to be considered for med school. For law school, you, you can have a degree in literally anything and get accepted to a law school so make sure that the degree you do get is one that if after your first year of law school you decide you don't want to be a lawyer you can turn into a career path very easily there you go
3: all right well it's time for another break so get on the toilet and go to potty okay there you go that's a terrible exit i know that's a bad exit let's redo it no
1: Hello and welcome to Get Psyched with Dr. Nuka. Death is not exactly a light-hearted conversation topic, but it's an important one because it's one of the great universals. Regardless of race, sex, or even species, one thing we all have in common is the fact that our time here is limited. This thought probably doesn't bother you very much. After all, I'm willing to bet that before I even mentioned it, you'd gone days, weeks, or even months without dwelling on this fact. And even though it's on your mind right now, you'll probably shake it off in a few minutes and go about your day like nothing happened. But chances are also pretty good that at least once you've had that moment, you know the one, when you're lying in bed alone at night and it really hits you what exactly it means to be gone. It hits you square in the gut, that that sense of dread that comes with knowing that no matter what you do, there'll be a time when you're just not here. That awful, horrible, twisting feeling can be summed up with one word. Terror. Psychologists as far back as Freud have talked about the psychology of death, whether it's speculating on mankind's self-destructive tendencies, or therapists finding ways to help people cope with the loss of loved ones. In recent decades, social psychologists Jeff Greenberg, Sheldon Solomon, and Tom Pizinski have taken a fairly novel approach to the study of death, which they call Terror Management Theory. The theory is based on the philosophy of Ernest Becker, and it goes something like this. Humans are in a unique position. Like everything else on this planet, we're gonna someday die. But we're also sentient thinking beings and as such, we're aware of this fact. We know it's coming. The result is something called death anxiety, that sinking, all-encompassing fear of death that I mentioned earlier. Now, this fear ought to paralyze us. After all, why leave the house or do anything when it carries with it the risk of speeding along our own demise? How can we go about our day the Sword of Damocles looms so large and ever-present over us. And yet, we don't live in constant anxiety. This is because the theory states, we all find ways to cheat death by achieving symbolic immortality. Instead of dwelling on death, we devote our efforts to things that allow us to transcend death. For example, some people have kids who they hope will live on and carry on their genes and their teachings long into the future after they're gone. Others strive to create great works writing stories, creating art, building structures, or just leaving their mark on the world, some kind of legacy that will allow them to be remembered long after they're gone. Others strive for literal immortality, whether it's through the everlasting life promised by religion or scientific endeavors to prolong life and preserve their consciousness on computers indefinitely. But what about people who don't have kids, people who aren't religious or don't produce great works? Well, they too pursue symbolic immortality through the cultures they're a part of and the worldviews they support. For example, America has existed long before any of us were born, and it's a good bet that it will continue to exist long into the future. If you're an American, it's important to you that America does well, because that's your ticket to immortality. You, an individual, might pass away, but if the culture you spent your whole life being a part of lives on and was made better by your actions, then, in a small way, you too kind of live on, don't you? Every purchase you make, every time you vote, every time you stand up and defend your country, you're contributing to something you hope is going to live on after you're gone. With this in mind, terror management theory makes a number of interesting predictions. For example, self-esteem is key to terror management theory. Self-esteem, according to the theory, is a measure of how well you're living up to the standards of your culture or worldview. If you're a Christian, your self-esteem is tied to how well you're living up to Christian values. If you're an American, self-esteem is tied to other Americans and how they would see you. Are you a productive, admirable member of the American society? If you're a scientist, your self-esteem is tied to your research. And by extension, self-esteem protects us from death anxiety. If you're living up to the values of your worldview, you don't have to fear death, because you'll live on through your actions and deed. As long as your worldview lives on, of course. As long as there are other Christians, Americans, or scientists around, your contributions will have mattered. In other words, those with higher self-esteem tend to be less anxious about death. Which brings us to another implication of terror management theory. People will vigorously defend the things upon which they base their self-esteem. If not, they might lose their source of symbolic immortality. We can see this happening when people die for their children, their religion, their country, or their beliefs. Because these things are bigger than they are, and for them, they're worth protecting because that's their ticket to immortality. This need to defend one's worldview to protect them in the face of mortality has been shown hundreds of different studies. For example, in one study, Christian college students were put in one of two conditions. Some were reminded of their own death and some were not. Then they were asked to rate another student. And again for some of the participants the other student was jewish for others the other participant was christian when they were threatened with their thoughts of their own death the christian students rated the other christian student higher and the jewish student lower than those who had not been reminded of their own death why because competing religions are a threat to your own religion if their religion is right that means yours must be wrong and this is a threat to your immortality and when the specter of death looms near People will more strongly defend their worldviews. For other examples of this, look no further than the patriotism and religious zealotry we see in response to terrorist attacks, when people attack our sense of worldview, the things that we hold dear. When people are reminded of death and have their worldviews threatened, in these instances, they defend their symbolic immortality, they defend their children, their country, and their beliefs, and the lose so passionately. So how can we apply terror management theory to the furry fandom? Well, remember that the furry fandom is a diverse and inclusive place. The fandom includes people from all sorts of political, religious, and ethnic backgrounds. As such, it's important to be mindful of the fact that these are topics which people feel very strongly about. In fact, they rely upon them for their self-esteem and, by extension, their symbolic immortality. So if you trivialize someone's religious beliefs by calling them stupid, or you mock their political beliefs, you make fun of their country, or suggest they're wasting their life by having children, realize what you're doing. You're not just attacking them, you're attacking their immortality. And don't be surprised if you find that they're going to be quick and brutal in their defense. The take-home message is this. Whether we think about it consciously or not, We're all affected by one of the only universals for all life on this planet, the fact that we're going to die. It's scary to contemplate and no one likes to dwell too much on this unpleasant fact, but it's also worth noting that we owe a lot to this fear of death. Great works and social projects have been constructed by people wanting to leave their mark on the world. Acts of charity, bravery, kindness, and self-sacrifice all stem from our drives to contribute to something bigger than ourselves. And just knowing that we've only got a limited time on this planet makes every moment that much more meaningful. So live each day like it's your last. Make each day count. Try new experiences. And really take the time to savor every little joy we're lucky enough to come across. In this way, death can be something that gives us meaning, not just something to be feared. This has been a quick look at Terror Management Theory. I'm Dr. Nuka. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on Get Psyched. Enjoying the show? Tell a friend! More listeners help the show keep going strong.
5: You're listening to For What It's Worth. Brought to you by For What It's Worth Brand Nipples. When your social media platform has decided to purge the unclean, think For What It's Worth Brand Nipples. Are you an artist who has been caught in the unfair swath of flaggings, taggings, and fraggings? Are you disappointed that a site that had been founded on the idea of being a safe place to discuss matters most other platforms thought were too ooky to allow has turned traitor on you? Even though matters of discovering one's sexuality or gender expression aren't actually adult content? Then try for what it's worth brand nipples. They're sure to bring you endless pleasure by being guaranteed to keep you from getting flagged. After all, there are no ladies on who What It's Worth, no matter how hard people try to convince Rue he's transitioning. And because of that, there will be no females presenting them. You're totally in the clear. Also, be sure to check out the Patreon campaign for the show. Rue and Tugs are always happy to take your money and use it to make more nipples for you to enjoy. For What It's Worth brand nipples, they're efficient.
0: Okay, it's time for the last part of the show. So if, you're sti- if you are stuck it out this far, thank you. All right, now we have kind of the last the last big questions for you, Boozy, before we torture you. So what do you plan to do with your furry fame? Are you going to stick around, or do you think you're going to go tourist another fandom? I'd,
6: I'll probably stick around, guys. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I'm in too deep now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure you all would let me go. Well, you know, the Sarmac pit is... I think if I deleted the Twitter tomorrow, I'd wake up and there would be like 20 fursuiters in front of my house holding baseball bats.
0: <laughs> they would actually be staring at you while you're sleeping.
6: Yeah. No, they, they would have done that before I woke up, obviously. Um, <laughs> what? Start Someone finding random bits of fur around the house, realize there's an, a six-foot-tall rabbit coming in and watching TV when I'm at work. Oh, but he's watching he's watching midgets uh, anyway so uh, so
3: when you become a permanent resident of the furry community um we'll have to get you back on the show again
0: and do the initiation And do
3: the initiation we do have an actual
0: <coughs> ritual where you have to drink from a goblet so just saying <laughs> i still have the goblet and <laughs> we'll give you a frame certificate what am i drinking <laughs> blood of course from a fish. It's right.
3: it's a whole ritual seance. It's, it's we'll amazing. We'll turn the hue lights red. So you so you know how you're saying how you go to different communities and then you all of a sudden find out that it's a cult? We're, we're going to make it so that you you understand that it really is a cult. So We, we did record
0: that.
6: <laughs> well, well, let me ask. After the initiation, uh, do, do the lesbians invite me to go to the nude beach with them next week? <laughs> we, can, uh, we
0: can arrange that, but first I need to make friends with some more lesbians. There you go. All right. So... Next question is: How can people get in contact with you with for non
6: legal reasons? For non legal reasons, uh, Boozy at LawyersandLiquor is the best way. That's the the site email. Um, it is my personal site email. I don't give out the other site emails because those go to uh, to my Tumblr elf who helps me run Tumblr because I'm too goddamn old to figure out what the kids like these days on Tumblr. <laughs> um, That's the porn site. And to my partner who uh, who monitors my activities to make sure that I'm not blowing our entire household budget on a fursuit at some point. Um, <laughs> I hear
0: what that means.
6: But, but boozy at com or uh, I should not advertise. To say DMs are open on Twitter on both accounts. I, I don't close it. I don't block people. I don't mute people. Uh, I, I'm an adult and I'm capable of just ignoring you if I want to. You
0: you may have just made a terrible mistake. What is your Twitter handle? It's at at Boozy Badger, right?
6: At Boozy Badger. Uh, The other one uh, that is the the non furry account is at Boozy Barrister. So, Boozy, what is
3: one of the things you recommend all furries don't do to avoid spending time with lawyers?
6: Don't break the goddamn law. Read, read your fucking contracts And don't break the goddamn law You do, do those two things And 90% of the time You won't need a lawyer
0: You know I didn't even make the joke But like we very rarely Let lawyers come on this show Like it's a running joke that we don't like lawyers Because usually <laughs> when I'm talking to a lawyer It's because something went wrong
6: Quite, I, 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 like, I like to say with the exception of wills Wills and deeds uh, Nobody who meets me wants to meet me professionally. They're, they're always pissed off about the fact that they have to be talking to me. Um, and they really don't like it whenever I hear their stories. I go, well, you know what you did was really stupid, right? So, um, but yeah, that, read contracts. Don't break the law. You'll be fine 90% of the time. Okay. All right. So, go ahead.
0: Your final thoughts before we torture you. So, your final thoughts on touristing the fandom, furries at large, or just something you want people to know? Uh,
6: touristing the fandom, is, we keep saying, touristing the fandom, I know you explained it earlier, but at this point, I'm kind of like that guy who goes to a place that's really nice and says, wow, it's really nice to visit. Maybe I'll live here. Um, because if there is a furry equivalent of a condo timeshare, I'm thinking about buying one at this point. It's committing um, to a convention. Yeah, <laughs> just, <laughs> buy a, just buy a, buy a convention. I'll well, buy a convention. Not there that, cool.
0: not that. It's just like you're a regular at, at at a con. People expect you at that con. Oh god, that's frightening. <laughs> well, then you where's like,
6: you where's don't... the lawyer?
0: <laughs> um, well, you go long enough, you just become a lamp in the corner, right? Like it's-
3: <laughs> Well, you know, the nice thing is, is when you get your, you know, quote unquote, maybe or maybe not get that fursuit, <laughs> right. nobody's going to know what you are. <laughs> yeah,
6: you should get like a fursuit
0: of not a badger, like get like a snake or something.
6: <laughs> a snake. I, I hate I hate to say this. I have a, a pocket artist too. When I got into the fandom, uh, is looking at it and all that, started drawing a bunch of stuff. And they um as a way to promote themselves oh. had sets them, of like if if I get X number of followers by X date, I'm going to make Boozy a partial. Oops. And she's a very very good artist, a very talented person. Uh her, her Twitter is at how about meow with I think an underscore between each word. Uh but she has been regularly tweeting pictures of the the partial she is making. And it fills me with existential <laughs> dread because she's she's doing this. So I know I actually have to wear it and take pictures in it so that people can see how good she is. Um, you could just have someone else model it. No, now You see, you got to understand, I, I have a feeling of honor. And while I could just slap a badger head on anyone and hide in the corner, I'll actually wear the damn thing. Um uh, but but she's so that's happening and it it trust me it frightens me because I'll display it somewhere in the house I'll put it on a shelf and somebody's gonna come in turn around and go oh look at all this historical stuff and there's the maps and there's your antiques and that's a fucking badger head why is there a badger
3: head on <laughs> just
2: say you
6: went hunting <laughs> uh, yeah
3: big badger <laughs> you know that that that's the great thing you could you could get like a mount like a mount like a a head mount. And you could just put it like over
6: your fireplace.
0: <laughs> Seriously, like why not?
6: Well, I, I say that uh, that I'm being spotted in the Furry Friday post right now are sponsored by uh, inkedfur.com. And when uh, when we hit that, they sent me a print. And uh, I didn't get to choose what print because it was going to be displayed in the house. I, I sent the information on to my partner who chose the print. Uh, so now you walk in, and there is a ferret and weasel Doctor Doctor Who print hanging in our living room. And every day I walk in, I look over and I go, "That's going to raise so many questions." The next time somebody that I work with comes over, <laughs> oh. uh, but it's very nice, uh, very very
0: nice. But Just say like you know like a distant family member or something. There's 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 ways there's ways. All right, so let's do this thing then. Let's uh, let's do the topic shifting and go to the game. So, are you ready? I, I assume I am. Good, because because you are the new hotness in the fandom currently, and we, we need to assess certain things about you. We have written a game. It's been a while since we've done a game on the show, by the way, um, to, to figure some things out about you, such as well, you'll figure that out, but let me read it. Uh, the instructions. So, the game is called Badger, 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 Badger. And it says, given your predisposition to be a boozy badger and in honor of your time spent with us today, we will now be presenting you with a series of questions to prove your expertise. You may not use search engines, Wikipedia, internet-based tools, or reference texts to answer these questions as you quest for points. Each oh, correct an- well, I had to think about this because <laughs> if I'm going to give you an exclusion list, it has to be broad. Each correct answer is worth 1 point and each incorrect answer nets you nothing but shame. Ready to prove your knowledge about mushrooms, mushrooms. (laughs) (laughs) You knew I had that in there. Snake.
6: Yeah, snake. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right,
3: so question number one. By tradition, what are the second most subservient species in the furry fandom?
6: Oh. Huskies.
0: Oh, oh,
3: oh, he
6: got it. Good job,
0: good job. <laughs> that's that's good. All right, question two. Who is the de facto spokesperson for the fandom?
6: That is Uncle Kage. That's kind of a gimme.
0: All right, question number
3: three. What TV shows is often viewed as the, mo- the first major media encounter to have burned the furry fandom?
6: Oh, that's that... Uh... I said MT It's either the MTV one or CSI You gotta choose Oh I I can't remember which one's first Uh, CSI Fur and Loathing You should have stuck with your gut
0: Sex Uh, 2K On MTV But here's a question for you Where is PathCon? Say what? Where is PathCon? P-A-F-C-O-N Halfcon mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I
6: have never heard of that one I thought you watched the Fur and Loathing episode Oh! That's the name of the convention in, uh, in, in Vegas in the CSI one, okay <laughs> you, you, <laughs> gave <him that> one. <laughs> you gave him that one uh, You gave him that one I watch CSI but guys, it's not like I have like pictures of Grissom on the wall over here <laughs> So the fox in the room wants to
3: know what is an SPH?
6: Oh God. Um, it's not God. I know I, I know this one. Um, this was explained to me at length. a uh, strategically placed hole in a pursuit.
0: You're doing really well. I just want to say, okay, we're halfway through. Question six, What online community within the furry fandom is dedicated to alerting artists to potential bad commissioners or customers?
6: Oh, I do not know that one. Uh, It's Artists Beware. Artists Beware. Mm-hmm.
3: mm-hmm. That would actually be an interesting thing, if you want to ever look yeah. at Artists Beware.
6: Hold on, I got my notebook right here. I can't <laughs> <chop> that one.
0: <laughs> this will be the second thing we've influenced you to start looking into. The first <laughs> one was porn. <laughs> And then we pin uh, the tweet.
6: To be honest, you don't have to influence me very much to look into porn, guys.
0: I know, but we got a great <laughs> pin tweet out of that because now we're furry Satan. All right, question <laughs> seven. What was the very first furry convention <clears throat> on record?
6: The very first furry convention, what of record? Oh, like exclusively furry convention? Right. I'm not sure. I know a little bit about the history of the furry conventions because somebody sent me that, uh, that, that that stuff by Space Twink. Uh, so I remember how they started, but I don't remember what the first one was. What happened to that? <laughs> <laughs> the fell horns failed. Uh, that was bad. <laughs>
3: so um, it's conference.
0: Conference
3: in California. Conference.
6: You understand that when you're giving me these answers, I'm putting them directly into a small notebook beside me, right? I figured that I well, I mean, it's on the record; it's being recorded, so <laughs>
0: we better be right.
6: Yeah, what? but I'm gonna want to look this shit up before this out- airs. So,
0: <laughs> question eight: On the whole, which corporation has the most influence over the furry fandom? Disney. It's a trick question. We don't have a corporate overlord.
6: Oh, oh no. no, 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 no. Zootopia has changed that answer. Oh, uh, you know. This <laughs> is... I have seen your porn. You can't deny it anymore. I have seen many movies. I don't
3: know. I don't know. I, I think that he's going to be able to win this argument, Tugs. I do because Looney Tunes
0: has had ca- influence on the fandom since the 40s. Well,
6: I don't know. Be, but let's see. You have the Robin Hood animated one, which I just very recently saw that picture of the Robin Hood fox bathing and people saying... The moment when millions of furries went, Mommy, I feel funny. <laughs> it, you know, it, it's debatable. I, I have seen people trace it back to Nala and the Lion King with the come fuck me eyes during Can You Feel the Love Tonight. See, they're not
0: called sex bedroom eyes, whatever
6: you call
3: them. Sex eyes. Sex
6: me eyes? No. Uh, yes, yeah, it's called sex no, me I, eyes. I have seen that look on people's faces before, and I know very well what it means. I just didn't. It's never been directed at me specifically, but I have seen it before. Uh, the, the real,
0: the real, the real point of this question is, that's one of the things that I believe. For just in doing the show, I've learned to set the furry fandom apart. Is we aren't like the Star Wars fans or the Star Trek fans or whatever. Like they all have a company that made the mythos, and we use other company stuff, sure, but we don't really have a company that owns guys, the fandom.
6: You guys create your own lore, and I think that's great. Yeah. Right. Uh, that, that is just kind of one of the, like the most amazing things that I've seen. It's, it's very early on. I was saying, okay, guys, tell me about some other furry legends. Cause I want to know this shit. It's, it's amazing. It's almost like walking into an undiscovered native American tribe <laughs> that's just been living in like a very isolated corner of Des Moines, Iowa, which if you've ever been to Des Moines is not that unrealistic. It's a ghost town sometimes, I and have their own lore and backstory that they built up over the years to explain everything. And that's kind of what the furry fans like. It's just it's amazing to see uh, how you all have have taken you know maybe a, a picture or a movie that you liked and a love for a style of art and certain types of characters and you built up this just huge amount of lore around it. Mm-hmm.
3: All right, so question number nine. What is the number one activity furries do at a furry convention?
6: Oh, I want to say drink, but I'm really split on that. And dancing, and hugging, talking, having fun, playing board games, playing video games. Um, I mean, I've been I've been to one. These are all the things I saw. So, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't agree is that, with the, Is that I, fun an answer? Can I just say having fun? Um,
0: no, because, yes, no Yes No Read the answer Read the answer Read the answer
6: Okay
3: okay okay Get together And then stare at their phones And talk to other people On their phones <laughs>
6: Just saying Just <laughs> saying it's like you know, they're right next to each other, <laughs> tweeting each other.
0: When you go to when you go to AC, watch people be like, "Oh my god, I missed you!" They'll hug and then look at their phones. <laughs> I've literally opened up parties at a Congo. I'm glad we could all get together to look at our phones.
6: <laughs> I uh, wow, um, but, but you know what? That's not exclusive to furries either.
0: Um, so it's true. Last question. So you've only missed three out of ten. That's yes, you're doing I think well. I
3: missed four, but technically a couple of them are debatable.
0: So question ten, because his points are so meaningful. According to popular legend, who was the very first furry?
6: The first furry, Furry Prime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have been, I'll tell you, I don't know and the only reason I don't know is I have been on a search for furry primes since the beginning of April uh, so since that post went up, like, within 24 hours I'm like, who was the first furry and nobody can fucking agree so uh, there, there's a statue of a bear man somewhere in Germany or something that someone found
0: <laughs> what's going on with the soundboard? I don't know I hate the button wrong. Uh, a popular legend. Most people argue it's, it's Robin Hood.
6: Oh, okay.
0: And you knew it! <laughs> did your instinct...
6: You didn't say popular legend, I don't think. I did say oh. popular legend. Did, did you... I have I have been trying to locate Furry Prime here.
0: <laughs> um, uh, off the air, will I'll tell you where Furry Prime is. Okay. <laughs> I know, no, no. I actually have been invited to interview Furry Prime. I just haven't been able to make it. I know where Furry prime is.
6: <laughs> I just love the fact that that you're making it sound like somewhere in a cabin in the woods there's one old man in a rocking chair surrounded by like skunk heads and fur suits <laughs> <he's the> <laughs> poking his head out every now and again to contact podcast hosts and identify <laughs> himself.
0: <laughs> I am Furry Prime. All right, uh, Dark, Juan, we're sorry. We are going to push your email to the next episode, just for time's sake. So that means that it is time for this. You're missing some
1: background audio. Have you commented on the site yet? It's time to be reminded in housekeeping.
3: All right, everybody. It's time to remember that we like people, and we like to thank people. I, first of all, want to thank myself. I am very selfish, and I like to thank Tugs over here because he's an amazing guy. I also like to thank Koru and our amazing um, audio people. Oh darn it! I fire failed. breath. Yeah, well, fire breath. I was going to say Firebreath, but he's not an audio people. So then, and also Voss. So
0: I'd also like to thank Harry Grundle for supporting Rude. Oh all my these gosh, times.
3: Harry Grundle will marry forever.
0: I'm glad you like Harry Grundle.
3: Oh, I, I, I love my boyfriend. Harry Harry Grundle is just going
0: to have to wait I don't know if I can do this any longer Okay, the next thing we would like to remind everyone Is comment on the show site Because when you do that, it makes it look like people listen to the show
3: We like social media Sometimes When there's not drama on there But if you could post some stuff about for what it's worth That would be great
0: Yes, also be sure to tell a friend if you like the show More listeners means more possible Patreon patrons
3: Also, we love Telegram. Telegram's
0: amazing. I love Telegram. You you should join our Telegram channel. Yes, if you go to com and you are over 18, I don't care what the age of consent is in your state, you can join. But if you're under 18, you will ruin it for everyone and we will pull the public link down. So please don't do that. Just wait. I know it's hard, but just wait.
3: So, Tugs, what are we going to be talking about next?
0: The next episode, we are actually going to really do the convention parties thing. So we have some emails. We'll pull those out. But we'll take emails again. So if you missed it, go ahead and send one in. Or if you liked this episode and had an emotional reaction, or not an emotional reaction, send your email in and let us know what you thought of Boozy. Did he sound the way you thought? I didn't know you had a southern twang in your voice. I think it's cool.
3: Yeah. And you know what? The mailbag's kind of empty, you know? So we, we need a little bit more love in there. So please feel free to to send us some lovely different questions so that we can answer them. Yay!
0: So I think that's it.
3: So this has been Rue.
6: This is Tugs. Say your name. Oh, uh, Bougie.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And you've been listening to For For What What It's It's Worth.
0: Worth. Oh, yes! You didn't say the show name. We don't ever tell you, so now you get to say the show name all by yourself.
6: You've been listening to for what it's worth.
0: Nice. Awesome.